0: Welcome to the av forums podcast for wednesday the 26th of august and joining me on this edition are assistant editor steve withers do you ever bop your baloney news editor mark hodgkinson is that a real gun mom games editor mark Botwright. you've got asteroids and audio reviewer ed Selly. poor
1: little guy probably kept up with you for a mile or so
0: welcome to the 100th episode uh, but let me just clarify this. <laughs> Asterisk. Because technically it's not the 100th episode. It's actually episode 346 of the <laughs> AV Forums podcast. AV Forums podcast started on the 2nd of March 2006 with um, a presenter called Jason Bradbury and some guy called Phil who was doing the DVD news. I shows you how long ago that was. <laughs> uh, so actually it's episode 346, but it's episode 100 of the weekly podcast if we just think about that for one second Steve is the banker so he's gonna work out the maths here but that's like we've done a third of our total podcast output in two years or just under two years is that right Steve? That would be correct, yes. How did we manage to keep the
2: quality so and high? And they set
0: Well, you set the bar really <laughs> low to start with, Mark. That's the idea, isn't it? Oh, come on, it's it's not been that bad, has it? I mean, we've all turned up, more or less. Well, it's, I've had to. I've had no choice. I've been here for all 346 of them. You're not bitter. <sighs> tired. Oh, so very tired. It is true that even the
3: ones you're not on, you had to turn up for, didn't you?
0: Yes. <clears throat> even the ones where I was ill... <laughs> And unable to say the fifth of February. Uh-huh.
1: That was the dark era where Withers basically was responsible for ninety-eight percent of the spoken content of the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it was ninety-eight percent. oh, that's what you're saying, isn't it? Nice. No, sorry.
3: Yes, one hundred episodes. Who'd have thought it? Eh?
0: Well, if you're going to do a weekly podcast and it runs for nearly two years, then you'd actually get. <laughs> it's inevitable at
3: some point. I that's is quite straightforward. <laughs>
0: Uh, Mark, cheer us all that way. Mark, I've got two Marks this week they, They're actually on the That's podcast not. together What's the competitions well, Mark?
4: Well, oh right, okay, competition news, yes um, We've still got Same as uh, like, last week <laughs> yeah, It's the same as last week, so if you listen last week you'll know But you better hurry up because these are going to run out soon We've got the War of the Roses on Blu-ray And that runs out on the 31st of August And the Thermal Lake PC gaming bundle Courtesy of Scan, also 31st of August that one's worth a decent
3: amount of cash.
0: Okay, and uh, previous winners?
2: Maybe it's
3: none again. <laughs> he wins a lot. Every week yeah. that guy wins almost. Yeah. The winner of Kelly's Heroes was Wardy257.
0: Right, so there we go. Competitions. We're all cheery. 100th episode. <laughs> We've only been doing this two years. And, well, and more than
3: two years, isn't it, actually? Because there are some weeks we didn't do them.
0: Not
4: many,
3: but third, yeah. I think.
4: Yeah, well, I yeah.
0: mean, like next week. We're not doing one next week, are we? So. No a little segue for you
3: there
0: Phil (laughs) thanks for that Steve because you forgot to put it on the run it's it's at the end I did
3: not, I put it at the end
0: (laughs) yeah but people don't listen to the end do you you, dear listener?
3: (laughs) they try no one makes it to the end (laughs) 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 including us
0: (laughs) in this world that we live in these days we have to sign quite a few NDAs It has its pluses and its minuses. I guess the plus point is that that companies want to tell us about what they're working on and look for opinion. And when we're talking about NDAs, guys, we're basically talking about, please do not discuss this until this date, but we're not dictated to in terms of what we think of the things. Let's make that abundantly clear. We still form our own opinions. We just can't talk about them until NDAs are lifted. So there was an NDA lifted last Thursday. It was all about Yamaha's new music cast. Those of you
1: with very long memories, might remember that music cast uh, is not a brand new word uh, dreamt up for this. Uh, Yamaha has tried to do um, uh, a system called music cast in the past. And it was a classic example of um, a very ambitious system being let down by the limitations of the technology at the time. Uh, but it was quite clever. It could sort of send up content to multiple rooms. It, it, in many ways... Um, laid the groundwork for a lot of the systems that we see now, um, but they took advantage of more modern technology and and, and slightly um, slightly lower bars to actually to produce something that that did work more often. Um, however, musiccast is back. Uh, the boy withers and I uh, traveled off to Hamburg uh, two, two months, months ago. Two <laughs> months ago, it seems a long time ago because it was, um, and. There's some good news here, really, in so much as just because uh, the last time round it wasn't wholly successful because it was extremely ambitious, it hasn't stopped Yamaha from being extremely ambitious again. Um, this is not a standalone system of wireless speakers. I think Yamaha quite quite rightly have taken the decision that this is that that everyone's doing that. What's the point? MusicCast is embedded software and hardware that is going to feature in almost every single Yamaha product being launched from now onwards, which means that uh, essentially if you buy a Yamaha AV receiver, it's automatically a music cast station and it can start to share both network embedded content and certain examples of content that's only being received by that AV receiver to other music cast products on that same network. And the range of bits and bobs is is absolutely bonkers. Um, I'm struggling desperately to find the number because I can't remember what it is. So
0: the obvious question here is, what difference is this to DLNA and uh, Bluetooth?
1: Well, it uses both of those standards, for starters. Um, What makes it different, Phil, is that the degree of finesse in getting the bits to talk to one another is a great deal lower um, because... Whereas with certain sort of noble exceptions, with a DNLA product, each, pro- each product is talking to the same library, but they're not generally speaking aware of each other much beyond, say, doing party mode or things like that, where you just have everything going through the same, or every unit is playing the same thing. Um, one particular piece of witchcraft that Steve and I had a demonstration of at in Hamburg was that you, you mentioned Bluetooth. If you Bluetooth material to certain music cast receivers they can then send that content on to other devices and i've never seen that before for as long as i've been using and working with bluetooth it's always been a fixed relationship between a transmitter and a receiver so certain certain bluetooth devices can then be used to beam content all over the place if it goes to one music cast receiver they can then be picked up by multiple music cast receivers which is very very clever and that is also interestingly not necessarily limited to Yamaha Bluetooth products. No, not um, at all, which is which is very cool. Um, and then, so you've got Bluetooth and this very convenient sort of items at the other end, at, at one end of the uh, of the spectrum, and then at the other. Unlike a number of of these um, sort of rival products, it's fully 192 kilohertz capable. Notionally, it's supposed to be DSD capable. Um, eight content that receivers are receiving over HDMI. Some of that can then be sent off to other locations as well. Um, it is staggeringly ambitious. Um, it does if you really do decide to go all, all in on it. There isn't really another sanely priced alternative that can match it for the number of things it can send around and the number of sort of various devices and sizes and product types that you can send it to.
0: It's dangerous being ambitious, isn't it
1: oh god there are there are some huge limits uh, huge potential pratfalls um one that was grudgingly sort of acknowledged at the um at the launch is uh, musiccast isn't a mesh network system that uses your existing network infrastructure now, if you are feeling ridiculously bold and you want to start biffing. 192 kilohertz music streams around the house wirelessly um fundamentally it doesn't really matter how many music cast products you've got in the house most home networks won't stand up to more than two two and a half of those sort of streams being used at any one time so you can it, it if you really want to go for it it probably holds that you either want to start using ethernet over mains Um, or all wired traditionally, because the chances are it will quite happily overwhelm a normal domestic router. That strikes me as the big limitation. But equally, I do know that... Obviously, we've waited a tremendously long time to tell anyone about this, but um, Yamaha has been putting the legwork in on this for, for a very long time. There's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes um so I you know the proof of the pudding will be when we start to test it but general consensus is that it's hopefully
2: going to be fairly fairly stable and easy to use with regards sending on information so it, they almost work in like a kind of relay system then that kind of it chains so it well, sends it on to something else within the house
1: everything routes back to as far as I can work out most things work back to the central hub although the Bluetooth stuff can't be doing that so i think it's a weird mix of certain things communicate directly and other things they 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 switch back to the switch back to the router but um that's something that probably be easier to work out as and when we get a review set in we can probably start to work out how things are communicating and whether they're going back via via the central point
2: so is this the kind of thing they're kind of hoping is safe people are buying i don't know like multiple soundbars or that kind of thing that it creates like a multi-room system and then they'll they'll buy other products from the same range
1: broadly speaking that seems to be it um yamaha they've got a big product range i mean they compete in multi-channel av stereo they've got lifestyle products they are as we know a major player in the whole sound projector business what they're doing is for no real additional cost they're incentivizing you to just keep it in-house because if you've got a main Yamaha setup. If you then think mm, I could do with a sound projector, go with go with the Yamaha one, and you actually get the ability to squirt content from you know your main room up to the up to the other room, essentially for no additional cost, which is you know quite cool.
0: I'm um, I'm launching one this year.
1: Are you?
0: Yeah, it's Philcast. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you have one system in one room, and if you want to hear it in the next room, you just turn it up.
1: It's brilliant. I can't possibly see any limitations. I can.
0: You
3: know, I can. The stability looks total.
0: No. No licensing issues. No Wi-Fi issues. Don't even need a router.
3: <laughs> just make sure that you live on your own, <laughs> and you have got very, um, very understanding neighbours.
0: I don't have any neighbours.
3: So utter isolation. Perfect.
0: Yeah, totally.
3: I think it's. It was massively impressive, and as as Ed has just said, it, it, very ambitious. Obviously, the proof will be in the pudding. When when we get a chance to actually test these and find out whether it all works, as they promise it will, we won't know until we actually test them. But um, so far, I, I was very impressed. What I do like is the thing we should talk about, which is the idea that you haven't got to buy into this ecosystem all in one go. You can gradually piecemeal add to it, but because every product pretty much from now on there's the Yamaha product will involve MusicCast. Some of the receivers that have already gone on sale will have updates coming soon to make the MusicCast compatible. So, um, like, for example, the RX-850 8, that I'm reviewing at the moment, that will have MusicCast.
0: Why go MusicCast? Why go... What, what's the other one? Is it Music Flow? LG's? That's LG's version, yeah. Um, uh, well, and Samsung music... have, so why go with these proprietary systems and not just... MusicCast
1: has got certain USPs, specifically this ability to shunt content that a receiver is receiving over hdmi is encrypted content to other speakers so you can just say you know formula one commentary football match commentary something like that just being able to just send that the same what you're hearing in the main room to another location whilst you're prepping something or i'm tidying up after my son's destroyed something else that's actually that it's very very hard to do um, it it's not part of either UPnP or DNLA. This is it, this is sort of unique to them. It is, and it's something I could genuinely see myself using. I do think that that's quite a cool thing because you know Sky Multi Room and, and other services they are pretty expensive. This is just if you like, just the ability to keep up with stuff that's happening in, in other locations, and that's not bad. So
0: I just, just so, <laughs> I, so just so I get this right, that only works with the audio stream though.
1: Best as I work is yeah. best as yeah. I,
0: yeah. I think the fact that you, can, you can
3: connect a Bluetooth device to one of the other Music Cast devices and then that can stream that, that audio back into the Music Cast network, um, again, is quite a good idea because it means you can do exactly what you just wanted to do, though, is you don't have to necessarily have all Yamaha products. You can still feed it into the system. The point, I think, is that it's there for you if you want it. If you don't want to use it, you don't have to use it, but it's, it's, it's there within their products. And I think that's quite cool because not you know most of the other manufacturers they have a number say for example Denon they've got Heos, this has a range of speakers that wireless speakers that you can use to create a multi-room system and there's a, a bridge a, a link a Heos link that you can use to uh, bring your receiver or whatever into into the network but you know it's it's not an every single Denon product it's just within this group of Heos products same with uh, Music Flow as a group of Music Flow products same with um, Samsung's version the idea that is within all their products by default i think it's it's quite clever and and clearly um, technologically quite quite clever as well because um it means that you know you you can like i said you know you you don't necessarily maybe initially you don't think i don't really want a multi-room system i'm like you like you know i live on my own i can listen to it in that one room but it's there so maybe one day you think well actually you know what i can put a little speaker in the bedroom and i I've got audio in here too. And I can do it's exactly like what Ed just suggested, put one in the kitchen so I can listen to the football commentary or whatever. That, that seems to me to be quite clever. And, when and, do you
0: ever um, listen to the football commentary?
3: Well, I, was, I didn't mean mean that personally. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like, I do like that. Um, so as long as it works, and that's the obviously the nine hundred million question, is you know, is it going to work um, effectively across a whole, whole network of products? Um, don't know, but uh, it certainly looks um, impressive. On, but we didn't really get a chance. We, we had to actually see it in operation.
1: Well, no, we were, It was a very peculiar set of product demonstrations. Where it was a very Alice in Wonderland episode, where you'd arrive at a station they'd have just slightly too little time to tell you everything you really needed to know about the product. Then they'd yell, change! And then you had to go to a different station and to repeat the same process yeah. with a different piece of equipment. And so also, it's
0: really dark too, so you couldn't see much.
1: So yeah, photos were, <laughs> yeah. We, we've, yeah, I, forgot yeah
0: I, I know all about that. I had to edit the bloody video, didn't I? You create, you create light, bounce it off your head or something and, and direct it. you <laughs> sure. to aim, the, the torch <laughs> f- function <with> the phone <laughs> the head. Brighten up the whole room. Right, okay, so that's it. Music Cast. Uh, there are two features on the homepage as you speak. They'll still be there on Wednesday. Uh, one explains what Music Cast is, and the other one goes through all the products. And there's also a video there as well, uh, which uh, it, it, quite challenging to edit that video. So go and watch it. I'm going to just
3: say one thing which is there's obviously a whole range of new products being launched too which support music cast but one of the things they are launching which I thought was quite uh, interesting for those who like soundbars YSP 5600 it's going to be the first soundbar that supports DTS:X and Dolby Atmos so that'd be interesting I, I well, think it's a sound projector can make so. it
1: work from a single point source it's Yamaha's technology so mm, yeah. and and also Ed, let's be clear Ed, with that it's, it's a whopper. It's absolutely <laughs> it's <huge. laughs> massive. If you've got any point of going, that, saying that, yeah, the problem with soundbars is they just they just don't look serious
3: enough. This is the soundbar for you. It's like a storage forty-four thing. speaker array.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's musiccast, let's move on swiftly because uh, we're not around next week uh, for the weekly podcast the games podcast will be in our place we'll come on to uh, that in a little bit Uh, the reason there is no podcast next week is that it's a bank holiday on the monday and then tuesday we're all packing our bags for uh, five well certainly for me half past five flights in the morning uh, out to berlin for ifa it's that time of the year again um and IFA is turning into probably the big show of the year um because i think uh guys it it suits the manufacturer's roadmap map a bit better than ces does nowadays i mean beginning of the year it used to be that was when everybody launched their roadmaps but now we're we're kind of getting into a a q3 where um that's where they seriously push the big products and the big announcements for for the year ahead or the year coming so um What are we expecting to see, Steve?
3: Well, um, with a bit of luck, we should be seeing uh, the first Ultra HD Blu-ray players being announced. (laughs) Um, How did I know you were (laughs) gonna say that?
0: fingers crossed yeah. steve fingers crossed yeah. and hopefully
3: so. disc announcements and studio support will be oh no well. let's
0: let's not push things at the very <laughs> least we should
3: see some working prototypes i mean at ces panasonic had a uhd blu-ray player but it was just a box right i mean well,
0: well it, was, it was a 700 where the energy was yeah. just taken out of it and yeah. so that's budget.
3: not really the same thing but we should hopefully see some actual working prototypes and demonstrations at the show fingers crossed which would be great news um, because obviously Ultra HD is really kicking off um, massive sales in terms of TVs and you need content and it can't all just be for streaming because that's not the only solution. So UHD 8, that would be really good. I, I think we can obviously, we expect to see some um, new models in terms of flagship TVs or um, newer TVs from the major manufacturers. Hopefully we'll get to see some more OLED TVs. Um, I think that would be great because certainly from my perspective and I'm sure everybody else's perspective, that's a technology of the future. We want to see more manufacturers doing that if we can. Um, so Ultra HD, OLED, Ultra HD, Blu-ray, um, projectors. We often get our of projectors announced, certainly Sony do. Um, um, they'll be announcing some new projector lineup, I believe. So that'll be interesting to see what they've got lined up because up until now, they've been the only manufacturer that's actually been actively supporting native uh, 4K projections. So again, um, their last last year um, was a VW300, which was a, around about five grand for a native 4K. So that was quite impressive. Hopefully we'll see prices go even lower. That would be, well, certainly in my case, that would be great news. What else have we got? Uh,
0: well, JVC, on on the uh, grapevine, Rumour Mill, possibly three new projectors from them. I don't think they're going to be 4K, though. Uh, we haven't seen anything on the Rumour Mill to say that, that that would be the case. So um, I don't think it's going to be the case this time around. Uh, funnily enough, you didn't really mention HDR, Steve, in your product roundup there. I think uh, you know, IFA could be the big... Uh, first, because it's a public show, uh, let's not forget that. this, it, Unlike CES, which is a trade only uh, show, this is open to the public from uh, Friday. Unfortunately for Ed, he's there when the public in the Great Unwashed are walking around. Um, we, we get there on Preston and then we bugger off before the crowds come in, which is you can't great. can't
1: play proper German heavy metal t shirt bingo unless <laughs> the general public is there.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> I did resist from a roundup this morning putting in that you'd be looking for some jam and sausage. I did resist on that one, Ed.
1: Wow. It's only taken four years. <laughs> You've said it every other year, I think.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, but let, let's face it. You will be in the White Goods area looking for free food. Let's, um, let's not beat it I don't up.
1: know. I, 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 I've said before, I do find the White Goods area genuinely fascinating. Um, but I, there's, a, there's a cracking tent uh for, for for beer and verst out the side which um <laughs> i tend to to, to populate.
0: yeah we're, we're looking at our itinerary and uh, basically we're there wednesday afternoon all day thursday and then i fly home friday morning and steve's not that far behind me flying back so it's really really condensed uh, itinerary this year and and he said to me well you'll have to have a big breakfast because there's there's we're not gonna have much time uh, for lunch or anything like that and i was like nope i'm having my curry first
2: you make it sound as if Steve has to take a different flight. He does? <laughs> yeah? He does. Like it's the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no,
0: that's just because I go north. Uh, anyway, so it's <laughs> back, to, back to the point in hand. HDR, I think this is the first time the public's going to get to see it, Steve. I think this, you know, if it's done properly, and like the demos that we've seen, where it does look like a game changer, where you're actually seeing the latitude in the image from the blacks to the whites, and without you know, um, retina-burning brightness, which is what it's not about, um, I think it, it, it could be a good barometer to see what the public think about HDR tech.
3: Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I guess we'll have HDR. Hopefully we might get some more news in terms of um, standards going forward. Um, so 10-bit video, wider colour spaces, DCI, I guess, um, along with HDR. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. I, yeah, I guess I might get a chance to see some feedback from the general public on the Friday. And as you say, it depends on what the demos are like. I guess that's going to be the, the big, uh, the big selling fact. Well, not saying, the big news point um, at the end of, at the end of this year is going to be um, HDR and whether it really is a game changer, whether um, it gets that kind of uh, buzz factor that we think it will.
0: I think it's certainly in the demos that we've seen. You notice HDR more than you do the the extra resolution of four K. And HDR doesn't necessarily just work with four K. You know, you could get uh, a ten eighty Blu Ray uh, produced in HDR. Uh, there's nine stopping that. Whether that will happen or not, is, I, I don't think that will happen because how many 1080p TVs have we reviewed this year so far? We're into August and I think three. we're on three. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm on my first.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you know, it, it's technically possible that normal Blu-rays at 1080p could have HDR. I don't think we'll see that. I think we'll see HDR and 4K MI together. And I think HDR will push more than the resolution side of things. And um, the other confusing thing is HDR photography and HDR in video, uh, not the same thing, people. Do not mix them up. It's not the same as HDR and photography, which makes everything look fake. Um, HDR and video is about bringing out detail, which is already there in the source material. So 35 millimeter film, 65 millimeter film, and uh, digital video. It already exists. It's just the technology that we have at the minute, Steve, when it comes to the mastering process, it's mastered in uh, 8 bit, um, mm-hmm. 709 colors. So we, we actually lose a lot of the detail, especially in the brighter areas of the image.
3: Yeah, yeah. And all Martian's done it currently at 100 nits as well, isn't it? I mean, basically, it's a standard that was developed for um, old CRT TVs, and things have moved on, things have developed. And now we need to talk, adjust the technology and the standards to, to, to suit the, what the displays are capable of these days. Um, and when you see it done right on a on a really good display, you you can be blown away by um, the kind of image that we could have um, next year, basically.
0: Of course, uh, lots of th- possible good announcements coming. So we've already mentioned JVC, Sony, possibly uh, projector-wise. Epson. Do do we think Epson might do something? I, I noticed that CD is later this year. Maybe CEA is the time for for them to announce something, I Steve. I haven't seen anything on the uh, on the rumour mill when it comes to them in terms of projectors. And nothing HDR-wise either, which I find quite surprising, but uh, none of the projector manufacturers are actually talking about HDR at the moment. No, we'll- I mean, I think
3: at the moment, their priority is probably HDMI 2.0 with HTCP 2.2 um, support. That's key, obviously, if you want to be using them with uh, with things like um, UHD Blu-ray players. Um, maybe, maybe trying to get some wider colour spaces in there and um, 10-bit... I guess would be would be the priorities rather than maybe HDR.
0: Maybe okay. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Like we say, televisions should be a couple of big announcements there, which um, you know should be interesting when it comes around. When the first one, it's going to be like next Wednesday, isn't it? Really for 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 the big press conferences on the Wednesday, and the Thursday. So Wednesday is Panasonic and Sony, is that right? Yeah. And then on the Thursday we've got Philips and who else has a press conference? Samsung, uh, LG. Oh
3: gee.
0: so obviously that's that's a tv site as we've alluded to ed will be out uh, hunting for um hi-fi
1: and tumble dryers
0: and tumble dryers and sausage um <laughs> so um in the fast-moving world of hi-fi ed um what are you expecting to see that's new
1: um i'm expecting uh, i obviously um music cast is going to be there and it's more it, and we'll see more of the products um I imagine that at least another contained wireless system will break cover. That's generally something that sort of crops up on a on a routine basis. Uh, the headphone market has slowed down, but I dare say that they'll yeah we, need to, we might we might just see two or three hundred new models rather than a thousand or so in previous years. Um, and other than that, I'm not I, at, at this point. I'm not 100 percent sure. On a slightly, I don't know, is it? Does it count as a, a sort of morbid level? I would be very interested to see how the the sort of China hall uh, is in terms of uh, mentality and uh, and focus in light of the sort of uh, oh, no,
0: you mean the stock stock market crash of today
1: well yeah and as I, say, I don't think it's going to end today and there's been other other sort of things rumbling on in the background as well i'll be interested to see what their focus and what sort of services and stuff that they're offering and 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 how they're going about it in comparison to preceding years
0: getting back um so audio wise uh you yeah, know we've mentioned headphones and so on another growing market is uh, these portable darks and i'd like well, we yes, to see might, more of
1: this i'm hoping to see a couple more of these as i understand it oppo has been doing rather well with their HA2, and and uh, Onkyo have got one, and so on, and so forth. And um, it's it's a slow growth category in so much as it, it takes a bit of time to get the public round to that sort of way of thinking. But it's definitely got some potential in it. Um, so yes, I, I imagine that one or two more of these sort of items will, will break cover. Um, although I have to say they're going to have to go some way to uh, be be significantly better than the Oppo, which is annoyingly good.
0: Hodge, you, uh, in your piece when we came to the tech side of things, you had quite an interesting point to make about WebOS and ties in out with uh, the televisions.
4: Um, yeah, sorry, the, the, it's more the significance of, the, of running the smart home. So these, these are designed, WebOS was, uh, was designed with that in mind at its outset some time ago. Um, so you can control your appliances and your heating and your lighting and all. It'll all come through the TV in the very near future. So that's, that's what Tizen and webOS really represent. And I guess, and Firefox too, to a certain extent, although I'm not as sure uh, on, that, on that OS in terms of uh, the smart home. But um, yeah, that, that's, I think that's why LG and Samsung have gone with that particular platform for their smart TVs.
0: So, so bringing us back to where we started the conversation, guys, uh, You know, music cast and, and systems like that. Why is there nobody out there doing a, a catch system? like this that that will do everything that mark says there about the smart home and feeding audio and hd video around the house and so on video is is a
1: tremendously complicated it's it's something that manufacturers are intrinsically um cautious around the standard changes every 15 minutes um it doesn't matter how much future proofing you try and put into it either it doesn't go in the direction you anticipate or it suddenly decides on a new standard seemingly at random it, going back to what I was saying earlier about the music cast, in many ways, what will be its greatest operating limitation is um, is the, the actual bandwidth of your own network. If you're installing these systems on people and, and making use of people's existing routers, even and even a remotely sort of complex HD definition, uh, sorry, HD level um, setup set is going to going to overtax a router. Um, and the moment that you start looking at four K and other other niceties, it's just not going to work. It the the problem is, audio has sort of taken the lead here because it's possible to meet customers' expectations of convenience and capability with the with existing hardware at sensible prices. At the moment, I don't think that same thing is possible with uh, with with video.
3: Do you agree with that, Steve? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I think also the, the problem is that you know t- creating some kind of uh, all-encompassing system that does everything not just video audio smart home you know, it's incredibly complicated and we've already discussed how we may be thinking think, you know, Yamaha being very ambitious with with um with music cars I mean, can you imagine having the balls to kind of come out with a system that will do everything with all the kind of pitfalls that are inherently going to be waiting for them in that in, in and you know how hard it is when we get stuff in for you something you try and set it up and get it to work it just doesn't work and you're thinking, well, oh, God, if, if the whole house was like that, that it could be a nightmare. Plus, you have to be a, a company that does all the products to start with, which not all of them do. Um, so uh, I can see why people might be afraid to go that route. I mean, it seems that inevitable that is gradually the direction that we're moving in. And, and that's certainly what certain manufacturers like Samsung definitely are looking at, aren't they, as some kind of integrated smart home that does the lot. Um, Panasonic have got a whole... Uh,
4: town, haven't they? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's a smart home. We've seen it every
4: every CES and E for the last six, seven years. haven't we At some point, it uh, will get there. I just, think, yeah, I just think the complexity in it happening and reliably for the for the end user is is quite a way off. Yeah, uh,
0: Mister are you as negative as
2: my other colleagues here. What with the regards the kind of smart home that yeah. does everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, I go by the timeline of when I first saw it on Tomorrow's World and then add about 50 years (laughs) for it to be any kind of workable condition. Um, I also think, you know, with with things like um, music cast, I I think it's just a lot easier to sell people on the idea of audio in multiple rooms and, you know, ease of getting your tunes into different places. It's kind of, it's always been synonymous with a certain kind of lifestyle sold, whereas the complete house is, you know, I, I think that's perhaps a step too far for many consumers at the moment.
0: Do do you think it's a generational thing, um, and that when the next generation come along, there's a great advert I saw on online where the baby's born and straight away is using the smart devices and so on, and and that's what it's getting like. You know, you just have to, I just have to look at my nieces and nephews and see how au fait they are with technology and how easy it is for them to use stuff that in and, and, and in ways that I would never think about myself. Um, is it a generational thing? Do you think? the next generation is going to come along and and that's where we'll see the complete smart home all integrated together because it will just become the natural, well, why does it not do this? Well, let's make it happen.
1: No, because none of them can afford to buy the home in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's a, you know, let's face it, you can't, if you're not mortgaged on the property, you know, you can't do, uh, can't do a huge amount to it. So, uh,
0: so, so, they're smart rented homes.
1: They're smart rented homes where everything has to be stuck onto the wall, not embedded in it.
0: Yeah. Who here has got digital meters for their gas and electricity?
1: I'm supposed to. Oh, no, I've now got no. a digital electric one.
0: Right. But you know, I was at my parents' at the weekend, a couple of weekends ago. They've now got a, an all singing, all dancing thing that they can switch it on. They can use their smart devices to switch it on and put the timer on and all the rest of it. So, that's one section that that's moved on leaps and bounds. Um, we've got integrated audio systems now and multi-room systems and all the rest of it running off apps. So how, how will it not develop? I, I, I don't see this negativity that you guys see.
1: Well, I think where it comes down to it is when you're, it depends exactly what you're looking to adjust within the construct of it being a smart home. But where people seem to be most reticent is anything that physically requires you to start modifying or making significant alterations to the the property itself just has historically not been a bit not been a flyer if these things as you say it's more a case of just stuff turning up in the house which the the points of control become sort of more integrated then yeah that's not not difficult to imagine at all but stuff that actually changes the fabric of the home that's a bit more of a bit more of an ask and i think going to be significantly slower if at all
2: it's a long way from the the teas made, isn't it? That wakes you up.
0: <laughs> I, I guess the other point is that our perceptions of what a smart home should be, because you're talking about things there that, that, yeah, that's very much tomorrow's world stuff that you just wouldn't have nowadays. I mean, I guess what I'm, what I'm talking about here is is it's control surfaces and and controlling things and timers and and all that kind of thing. I'm I'm certainly not thinking about teas maids or robots walking around or
2: hoovers doing their own thing. And so then, with regards, kind of. It it almost sounds like the definition now for a smart home is just slightly different interfaces. Like you know, it's it's there's less of the smart and more of just a different way in which you can control it from perhaps a greater distance. Various things within your home.
4: It's not just control; it's monitoring as well. As well, and then I guess the idea is. Uh, it'll, they will become smart monitoring, so if you're using too much energy here and the home knows you're not in it will turn off the heating, etc so stuff like that, that that would be the progression of it but yeah, I think you're right, just a I minute mean, it's just controlling it through your phone, your tablet or your, or potentially your TV
3: Do we want our homes getting too smart? I mean, you know, well, they become self-aware when let's back in oh, I was I'm beating, not on, I was like beating that. on this not, <laughs> Self-awareness is not a
1: concern a hackable home, that's less desirable. Mm, yeah, security
0: Okay, um, so we're running over time, like we normally do, uh, but we are 100 episodes in. So while we're on hardware, okay, almost two years we've been at this. Uh, the best product in that time that we've looked at? Uh,
4: I couldn't decide on one, I'm afraid, so I've gone, I'll reeled you off a few. and These favourites, rather than being strictly the best,
0: I just had the best uh, d- d- no, d- no, that wasn't a question. <laughs> oh, I haven't got a favourite. <laughs> it's not like, who's your favourite child? you know. It's not as unfair as that. It is more unfair
4: than that. Um, In other that, words, Mark can... clearly has a favourite <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reckon I'll have to go for one of these uh, little boxes I've been doing recently because they've completely redefined how I access all my media um, music, video, TV um, and that would be Minix Z64W a little Windows box that basically I just run as a media machine
0: Interesting, and, so you're going with the Windows box not the Android one
4: Yeah Because it does net, I can get Netflix through it, like full HD Netflix. But you can't do that on Android.
0: Interesting. You see, you learn something new every day. I didn't know that, Uh, Steve. Did I?
3: I think the product that I loved the most, just pure, it's expensive. I'd never get a chance to buy it probably, and loved it It was the DataSat RS20I with the matching seven-channel, 300 watts per channel, proper watts per channel um, amplifier. That that was pretty awesome. Um, for a more realistic price point, the Anthem MRX710 was fantastic, bringing ARC2 to, to the masses, um, giving you a really a really flexible uh, roomy queue. And, and you, went, uh,
0: you went out and bought one, didn't you?
3: Mm-hmm, I did. It was so good. Then uh, TV-wise, OLED. I mean, I love OLED. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. Uh, yes, it might have its teething problems and everything, but it's still a stunning picture. Those blacks just blow anything else out of the water. Um, and um, as a projector fan, i got to love the Absinthe S10, laser projection is the way forward for me. Um, you know, no bulbs, no dimming, longer lifespan, on and, instant on and off, but definitely the way
0: forward. What is the best product singular was the question. I know, but I like Mark, you know, when you start trying to think of one yeah, I only said one. Like, yeah, on yeah, wide,
4: Mark, you, already,
3: you said all three and I only said one. I started with the one I liked best and then I added a few others in.
1: If we're just doing one product, and actually I can also, this in many ways is the most innovative thing as well over the last two years the chord hugo because it is just the scope of things it does how well it does all of those things and just how extraordinarily good it sounds yeah it it's in a it, I, in an absolute sense technologically it's in a, in a class pretty much a class of its own and it does very much represent how two-channel audio is is evolving and ha- and the nature of the roles and responsibilities of product is changing and so on and so forth. It is just, it's, it's a sensationally good product. It's a manufacturer, if you like, managing to take all the stuff they're extraordinarily good at and then manage to exceed their normal standards in, in terms of other sort of usability and functionality aspects. Uh, I'd also give an honourable mention to the upcoming VPI um, turntable, simply because it's just one of the most satisfying things to use and listen to that I've used in ages and ages and ages. It was magnificent. Succinct enough for you?
0: Yeah, and I'm just reading on Twitter here, Edinburgh Festival, Ed, um, they're now selling iron-brew marinated rustic sausage in a sweet chilli jam. On oh,
1: good God. I, I have to admit, it, it, it please be under no illusions, It's not not a, a, this is not a dig at a nation of people, but um, there are a number of soft drinks I just find just unbelievably sweet, and Iron Brew is firmly in that category. Yeah, um, I, I, I,
0: I, <laughs> even the sugar-free diet version is ultra-sweet. Isn't. <laughs> <This> <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean like the other one that people get gum.
1: tremendously excited about when they go to the States is, is Mountain Dew. And, I mean, honest to God, there there are no circumstances short of me. You know, if it was the difference between me dying and not dying, I'd have a crack at a Mountain Dew, but bloody hellfire. (laughs) Um, But no, I suppose, actually, that sweetness, if it was used carefully, uh, I don't see why it's any less silly than some of the other things I've seen people using for for marinades. So, yeah, why not? Any port in a storm. Where do you stand on this bottle deposit scandal thing?
0: I couldn't give two, two hoots a bit.
1: There you go. (laughs) <laughs> couldn't they give a
0: hoot? <laughs> couldn't they give a hoot? Right, um, now, I th- I'm, Mr. Botwright, I'm going to let off on this one because he, he needs to come up with his best game, so we'll, we won't get Mark to answer this one, but I couldn't answer this one. But the answer that did come to it is that in the last two years, after, well, even since this podcast went went out, which was, what, 2006 it started, there was a bit of a peak then, and then we had the 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 whole meltdown in two thousand and eight, and and everything just seemed to, you know, take over. I think in the last year or eighteen months, I think the, the the best thing I think that's happened is that this industry's come alive again, and mm. there's innovation. There is, there's new sound formats coming along. There's new uh, video standards coming along. There's new ways of displaying video. There's new TV technology. I think. Um, in the first time since 2006, I, I am genuinely excited about where things are going in, in this hobby of ours, both video and audio. You know, that's 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 what my pick is going to be over the last hundred episodes. I think things have really turned around and it's exciting again.
4: Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I hope we can keep it up. I don't disagree with any of that. There is a degree of as the industry finding its mojo actually lining up and aligning better with what the public is actually wanting and asking for. And, uh, yes, uh, you've told me not to be unduly negative. I'm just going to hope that uh, what's going on in the Far East doesn't <laughs> <laughs> tip it all back into, into, into a station. It state never of,
0: fails, it.
1: Well, fails. what can I say? <laughs> okay.
0: Right, uh, we're way over time now. Uh, Games News is next. So, Mark, let's, let's start with that question. Uh, last 100 episodes, um,
2: best and worst game. I'm not going to go for a worst game, because that's unduly negative. But I think <laughs> if we started, when did we start? Would it have been about roughly... Eight, it was It
0: was um, July, um, uh, let me think, July 2013, was I'm, I'm sure it was. Or it was August. It was either July or August.
2: Right, so I can't roll it back to something f- f- from June 2013 then. We'll go on, we'll let you. Just because, for me, The Last of Us was the game of probably the game of the last generation of consoles. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, I found it was one of those few games which seemed genuinely... um, It seemed innovative. It seemed like um, it had been written. It could have been written as a film, as a TV show. Um, It was the kind of game that you didn't mind showing off to people who didn't like video games. Um, It was just very, very clever in the way that it, it worked with this ally system, uh, kind of organic combat as well. Just everything about it, I absolutely loved.
3: And to back that up, Mark, it was one of the few games I've bought and actually played in the last two years.
2: Did you get to the end? No, but <laughs> <laughs> I got further <laughs> than I had on
3: any other game in the last decade.
2: The ending's the payoff for that game, it really is. <laughs> there you go then, Steve. Your challenge, should
0: you accept it? <laughs> uh, right, and, and moving on to a more serious note, Mark... Um, the Games Podcast, it didn't turn up this uh, so far this month. It's because it's going to appear next week, hopefully, uh, while we're all away in EFA and it's the last Games Podcast ever.
2: Yes, sad news. Things have just kind of reached their natural conclusion with regards to the the Games coverage in general. Um, I think time constraints and real life have caught up with everyone. Um, even trying to get everyone together via a round-robin email is proving tough, it's like kind of blowing on the conch shell in Anchorman or something Um, so getting everyone together for a Skype call proves even harder. Uh, Yeah, so it's the last one Um, we went a bit off piste with this one, a little bit uh, less in terms of news, a little bit more looking back um, at some of the games that we've enjoyed Um, and strangely enough I think my final review was for Godzilla which seems a strange note to be going out on um, but yes, uh, good laugh, good fun, and just, you know, thanks to anyone who's listened.
0: And, and tissues are the ready? It's not that sexy.
2: <laughs> it sounds
1: like it's going to be very hard to masturbate to, if I'm honest, Phil.
0: <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, in all seriousness, our thanks to the games team. Um, it, things are wrapping up, and and it is a shame that that um, you know life does get in the way. And uh, you know, you guys volunteered your time, put these reviews in. They're all high quality. It's just that you know when you look at the games side of things, um, if you look at the games industry, you look at what people are reading in terms of games. It, it was always a fight to 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 do something a little bit different, Mark.
2: Yeah, I think it, it's an incredibly uh, crowded field already. You know, it was when we began. It's even more so now. Um, proliferation of sites is just kind of spectacular these days. And also, yeah, as you say, we're with, dealing with guys who are just enthusiasts, volunteering their time, putting out content as and when they can. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very competitive market.
0: Okay, so that is the final games podcast. It will appear hopefully next week. Um, We will put a marker up on the forums and it'll be on the homepage as soon as it's published. Uh, Do go and have a listen uh, to that. And uh, like we say, everybody on the weekly podcast, I know Stuart and Vicky as well, um, thanks to the games team. Uh, The work that you've done has been first class and stellar. And... um, And, and we wish the guys all the best in the future with uh, with new jobs and, and understand there's girlfriends moving in and all sorts of best of luck with that.
2: Real life has taken over.
0: <laughs> it happens to everybody, eventually.
3: That also, of course, means no more weekly games
2: news.
0: Uh, but you're going to stay around, aren't you, Mark? You, I mean, you, you'd miss us if you weren't here.
2: I'll probably still be kicking around here and there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and is that games news?
2: I think that is games news. For the last time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, moving on. Movie news, and um, I was going to say, what's at the cinema this week, Steve? But I understand, yet again, uh, you took the weekend of end off and didn't bother. Life got sim- in the way. Phil. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever.
3: For... Sick cat. Um, yeah, didn't get. No, seriously, sick cat. That was the reason why I can get to cinema. Don't laugh. It was very traumatic. It is dramatic. I thought you were saying
0: something in Latin. We we used to laugh at Mark when he said that. Or yeah, the, all the cat's been poorly, and we used to laugh, say, yeah, 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 chancer. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we take the piss off.
4: Piss I got two, so I had two. So it's double, double the potential illnesses and vets bills.
3: Mm.
4: Sorry. Anyway, name, so I didn't
3: get a chance to go. Shut up, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, I didn't get a chance to go to the cinema. But uh, opening last weekend was Vacation, the um, uh, kind of reboot of National Lampoon's Vacation, um, which uh, Cassandra reviewed and gave it five out of ten, but it wasn't very funny. Um, Best jokes with the trailer, basically, and also Sinister 2, which was a horror film uh, sequel that came out last week. Opening up this Friday, we've got another reboot, uh, and one of those quite recent reboots because it's Hitman Agent 47. That's basically rebooting the Hitman, which was a film version of the game, uh, Mark B, that didn't do particularly well when that came out. So, quite why they wanted to reboot it, I don't know, but that's coming out on Friday. Plus, the appallingly titled Barely Lethal, um, which uh, stars Samuel L. Jackson, who will do anything for a check these days uh, and also um, uh, Jessica Alba, which is probably more of a reason to go and see it but that basically involves uh, I think young killers young assassins uh, as the name might suggest and because so I'm just gonna go and see that again uh, she's pulled on the short store this week uh, she's going to see that um, at a press screening so that should be interesting we're, we're
0: uh, going to get sued for cruelty in the workplace aren't we yeah I, I think that withers is is,
1: is, uh, is you know cruising for a fall here.
3: Blu ray wise, opening, uh, really being released this week, coming out of the shops this week. We've got Child 44, The Salvation, and Cinderella.
0: And by the time the podcast comes out, uh, all those reviews will be on the homepage. They will, from Kaz, who's been busy this weekend. Kaz is always busy. Kaz is, yeah, Kaz is basically he does all the Blu ray reviews. So. He, he is a superstar. Um, right 100 episodes, 100 best and worst movies, uh, that we've seen during the last 100 episodes. I can't even remember what we saw last week. I mean, 100 episodes,
3: Steve. Best film, I don't know, having actually seen a lot of films um, over the last two years, it was quite tricky to think what was the best film? I realised going back through all the reviews, there's been a lot of disappointments. I kept thinking, well, that was a good film. Well, no, it wasn't, was it? I was hoping it was going to be a good film, turned out to be a bit rubbish. But a lot of disappointments over the last two years. Films that surprised me by being really, really enjoyable, were far more than I thought they would be. Captain America Winter Soldier, I thought was a cracking film. Um, much better than I was expecting. And the thing goes for Guardians of the Galaxy, Gravity was one of the few films I was looking forward to that actually did, did deliver, I think it's a technological tour de force, um, but the film that I enjoyed the most in the last two years to my surprise, um, because I knew little about it going into it, I thought Dallas Buyers Club was absolutely brilliant. Hey, snap. Really?
4: Yeah, totally snap, yeah, I loved it, I thought it was brilliant, excellent, excellent performances and, yeah, and a yeah, story that, oh, uplifting yet, yeah, you know poignant and uh, irreverent. It was great. It was, just had everything. I loved it.
3: I absolutely loved that movie. Worst film I've seen in the last 100 episodes uh, is comfortably Theodore X. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it yet. And I have. Okay, that, but what's
1: the worst new release that you've seen in the last two years? Because Theodore I, I'll tell you X exists what, almost, as a baseline should, of dreadful.
3: I can almost quickly say straight away, the Fantastic Four was crap. <laughs> really disappointing on every level um that was pretty poor oh, uh, transformers age of extinction was was dire
2: yep i'll, I'll agree with that uh, did was, anyone go to watch the new robocop yeah i did go and i
3: saw that and
1: that that, was... you thought that was only mildly dreadful i seem to remember
3: <laughs> i mean that's the thing isn't it going back to all the films that have come out over the last two years and um, sadly either they're either terrible or disappointing uh, i think disappointing is often worse and trying to find the, the films that I thought were good or, or, or delivered or really really enjoyed was it's really quite difficult. And that is quite a, a damning indictment of I, the I, film so industry.
0: I couldn't find anything that stood out as a film that would move me or made me appreciate the art of filmmaking in the last two years. I've, I've been through everything that I've looked, looked at and watched and nothing stands out. There's lots of good films in there that I really enjoyed, but nothing that really sort of stands out as... Yeah, you know, a masterpiece of work or, or or a great piece of cinema. Um, I
1: really enjoyed Nightcrawler uh, in so much as I thought mm. that, that was,
0: that was it. That was it
1: was a little bit different to what had gone before. It, I, I felt it had a bit, you know, it has you know a bit of a payoff to it. I, I would say that that yeah would be possibly at my top point. And um, in a much more minority view, I really enjoyed Fury as well.
0: That, that may have been different for me, uh, not Fury, um, but you know, a, 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 a film that celebrated filmmaking and that kind of thing. Because I haven't seen Paul Thomas Anderson's um, Inherent Vice. Inherent Vice, I haven't seen that, and I usually, usually he'll do it for me, in terms of uh, like a real masterclass of uh, filmmaking, and I haven't seen that yet. So it's that,
3: it's fun. It's it's a good fun movie. It's kind of you know it's about the journey, not the destination, but uh, shot on film. I think uh, on a similar vein. The, I enjoyed the Grand Budapest Hotel. I do like Wes Anderson, although I could have done without them mucking around with aspect ratios within the film. What about that one
4: that
1: to... was filmed over 12 years or whatever? Oh, the Boyhood,
3: yes. I did enjoy that. I did think, about, But you see, the thing about Boyhood is it's one of those films you watch it once, you're not going to watch it again. <laughs> once you've sort of, and it is, is a valid point that we should take out the novelty factor of uh, the fact it was filmed over 12 years. Um, it's a very minor story. But it is something that you should definitely watch because it, it, it's a unique experience to watch a, a group of children literally grow up in front of your eyes. That, that's something I don't think you'll ever get a chance to do again. So, from that point of view, it's it's unique, absolutely unique. And, and I find it quite touching. But, um, but yeah, I guess once you take out the novelty aspect, it, it doesn't really hold up to repeated viewings.
2: Mark? Um, best uh, <laughs> kind of lowering the discussion here after boyhood, but I really enjoyed the Lego movie.
3: That was on my <laughs> shortlist actually, yeah, I have to say. That was on I my ju- list.
2: Just thought it was it was very very funny. Um also my nephew who's just uh 4 absolutely loved it and kind of laughed in pretty much the same places that I did. Um and it the weird thing is is kind of playing Lego with him, you kind of it's ha- hard to see it, not see yourself as Lord Business. Say, no, no, no. I'll build it. Don't don't just smash it now. Um, and yeah, I, I just thought there was a lot of kind of very pertinent things in there where it could have just been just a kind of simple cash in. It was very funny and very well scripted.
3: It's quite amazing that they can make a film that is ostensibly an advert for a toy line of toys, but make a film that's actually anti-capitalist. Yes. It's, yes. It, 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 so, so not what I was expecting when I went to the cinema to see that.
0: Not at all. You still go and buy Lego though. I love Lego. Who doesn't like Lego? It's great. <laughs> um, I don't uh, like standing
1: on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, There is that. Um, uh, quite surprising that, that um, you know none of us have mentioned what I, I think. If if we'd looked at uh, this before we've seen the films, nobody's mentioned The Hobbit, which you would have thought should have been massive and and well, game changing and
3: disappointing experiences. Unfortunately, yeah, totally. Didn't yeah, get close for me. And I've yeah.
0: seen all three of them. Um, and yeah, they're competent films and they're well put together and stuff, but, but they, they don't even approach The Lord of the Rings. And I wasn't a big fan of The Lord of the Rings, um, but they don't even approach that in worthiness.
3: No, they're not even close. Not even close. For, for many, many reasons, but not even close. I guess if we're talking about potential either amazing experiences or massive disappointments, we'll find out in December when The Force does awaken.
1: You can't. Phil's not doing negativity today, or at least that's only my job. Comes out on my birthday, you know. That's a
4: curse.
0: You're just doing this so so on the forums, everybody's going to remember. Um, well, I'm seeing everybody, all five people who listen to this podcast, I'm going to wish you happy birthday. That's all you do it for, isn't it?
1: We'll see how we go, won't we? So, as so I watched, um, that's
0: reminded us
3: ten times, I will still forget that's your birthday and be more concerned about seeing Star Wars. Well, I'm yeah, sure you will. Here.
1: I mean, i, I was say like, the idea of going to watch a film that big on the release day. I mean, on account of the fact I hate other people, mainly, but that's just going to be horrendous.
0: Well, you see, St- Steve and, 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 well, everybody here, um, the problem we've got is that we we kind of skive off work because the boss listens to this. So if we say we're all going to skive off work, to go on to opening day. But then again, I think the boss will still, he'll be front of the queue, won't he? So he wouldn't notice that we're not at work.
1: Have we made any really bold predictions in the last hundred podcasts that have been proved to be spectacularly wrong? We must have done. Didn't we? If people... <laughs> People with better would predict the myself. Jurassic
2: World would be a failure. We <laughs> said yeah. one of, yeah, it was it Jurassic World, the Terminator yeah, one. I, I, I think in our defence, though, that
0: was after the first teaser trailer where the CGI hadn't even been finished, and it, it looked really bad.
1: Yeah, but I also said that Mad Max was going to bomb as well. <laughs> and uh, I definitely... Genesis
3: has made a bit of money, so it's just going to show the appetite for crud. Actually, though, Terminator Genesis, much to my surprise, I rather enjoyed.
2: A number of people have said that. You see, that's, again, you know... No review for a film ever sounds good if people started with actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Much to
3: my surprise.
1: Do do feel free, if you're a listener and you've got better memories than than what passes for the brains on the podcast, to uh, point out all of our failings. Uh, cause oh, I but enjoy... well,
3: didn't I say that we weren't going to get a UHD Blu-ray?
1: No, we spent most of the time
2: telling you that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. To
1: your credit, you were there going, it's got to happen!
2: We said China was going to be big in TVs, and then bankrupted them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was
0: like two weeks ago, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I still think Atmos is going to fail.
3: Well, not if I keep buying all the discs. I'll keep it going <laughs> single-handedly.
1: <laughs> I don't think selling one of each necessarily constitutes <laughs> success.
3: <laughs> that never stopped Sony. <laughs> Some of their formats. I just market know. them as limited editions. Yeah,
0: we see some of the things about, oh, no, I'm not even going to mention that, we'll be here for hours, but yeah, Sony would just. have just been unlucky sometimes, I think. Minidisc wasn't that bad. No, mm, I actually really good. like Minidisc.
1: But it was marketed appallingly, yeah. and um, it was licensed appallingly, and it was overtaken by Solid State, which I think it's more to Sony's, there's no nothing no 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 sort of condemnation of sony about mini disc but sony's utter misreading of the post mini disc environment with with digital audio players that has to rank as one of its most spectacular failures
0: um i think we've overstayed our welcome for the 100th episode so thank you very much if you have listened to any of the episodes uh, over the last two years and um, thank you very much it is appreciated please leave your feedback uh, in the the form underneath this podcast or leave it on itunes um and give us five star um uh, uh, reviews if it's four stars or, or below we're no interested don't leave them
1: we have an electronic arts view of uh, of, of, of user feedback <laughs>
0: uh anyway my thanks to steve withers you'll be whistling zippity-doo-dah
2: out of your assholes
0: mark hodgkinson we're from out of town mark but
2: i could put an eye out with this thing (laughs) and Ed Selly. metallic p
0: don't forget you can follow us on twitter and facebook bookmark AV forums for latest reviews news and video and like you say leave us a rating on itunes but only if it's five stars we're not interested in phone below and also do not forget we're not here next week because we're we're out for FIFA, and it's the games podcast, and it's the last games podcast ever. So tune in, take your hankies and enjoy that one. I'm Phil, and thanks for listening. <laughs> 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 thanks for listening, and um, we'll we'll see you in two weeks' time after FIFA, and we'll have loads to talk about then. So uh, stick around for it.